We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it! Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish. I am here with the insightful Rohan Kadi, and we are here, of course, to talk all things Bucks, but especially Milwaukee's 125-123 loss to the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night. I had to think about it with recording and everything else. <laughs> Yesterday night, no, Monday night. Uh, Rohan, how's it going? I'm doing well. It was it was nice to see some close basketball games from Milwaukee. Honestly, these last couple games, we saw it was. Uh, we saw a close win against the Mavs on Friday. And now we see this Brooklyn game. It's been good basketball being played, which is which is something that's hard to come by in the current state of the NBA. But it's been good basketball so far for Milwaukee. It has been. And I know we're going to focus a lot on this Nets game and, and more recent stuff. But I do have one point that I remembered about the Dallas game that I really enjoyed. Okay. I love that they were down late to a good team and they won. I, I feel like I just had this sense of dread with the Bucks. I think stemming from last year, especially how it ended, I didn't trust them as much in situations like that, especially against Dallas, who in the Luka era, so to speak, feels like they've really had Milwaukee's number. I love that they were able to win that game. I feel like it speaks to some important things that we're going to be talking about. And they almost won this Nets game too. But um, yeah, that's I guess that's my Dallas takeaway. If you want to touch on anything from that, feel free. Otherwise, feel free to take us into the Nets game. You said to me before this, you're excited to talk about this game. I really am excited to talk about this Nets game. The one thing I would have to say about the Dallas game is in terms of close games, but you already, you already hit that. Of course you did. Uh, so... <laughs> This Nets game. So, I guess to preface, we should say that uh, 
we didn't really talk about this. The Nets uh, acquired James Harden. Oh, yeah. I guess that was since the last <laughs> but Maybe that's why it feels like the Dallas game was so long ago. Yeah, so that's a thing that happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest players in the league, one of the best scorers in league history, is now in the Eastern Conference and on a team that currently has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He is. Theoretically. Um, yeah, Kyrie is now, it seems, back with the team. Yes, I, I think he's set to play tomorrow against yes, Cleveland. Wednesday against Cleveland, sorry. It's going to be one of the first times he's played in Cleveland since leaving the Cavs. It's an interesting subplot to that, but it has nothing to do with the Bucks, So I think um, it's since 2017. Well, did he play right away with Boston and not since? Yeah, I think so. Kyrie's an interesting guy. Um, he's been hurt, too. Yeah, he has. Um, but also some... Some strategic ducking there. I, I don't know. I don't want to get into this. Um, we got the Chase Down pod can handle that. Since but October 17th, 2017, first game for Kyrie in Cleveland. You had that down. You were you were right on top of that. Um, but Kyrie, not in this game, but the aforementioned James Harden is. And he, I don't want to say carried, but he, I think, was really the difference in this game. Um, if I think if Kyrie played and, and Harden wasn't there, and, and KD played the way he did, the Bucks. I feel like, I think they would have pulled away. Um, Harden was really clutch, especially in the second half against Milwaukee. But um, what, what's your first takeaway from this game? What, what, why are you so excited to talk about this game? I'm curious. This Brooklyn team has two just absolute alphas. Absolute yeah. alphas. This is the gamble that they, uh, they took when they acquired James Harden. They have, I guess, three three really good players, but two absolutely dominant forces in Kevin Durant and James Harden. Two of the last 10 or less than that, or about that many MVPs. Yeah. Round. To put it that way. Yeah. Kevin Durant's looking like he might re- like get into second MVP this season with the way he's playing. Uh, seems like he's bounced fully back from that Achilles injury, which is great to see, by the way. It, the, the league is better when Kevin Durant is healthy. And 100%. So you have these two just dominant forces but what they sacrificed to get that was all of their depth and most of their defense in terms of like actual defensive players so this was an interesting trade in terms of like a basketball philosophy sort of perspective because which team really wins we saw we saw the lakers have a two-headed monster with good depth win the title we've seen big threes win the title we've seen big fours win the title it's it's really interesting to see how it manifest itself in the modern nba because currently this brooklyn team is really the only big three out there in the league big three like massive three i know i know you could argue milwaukee but yeah you're offending me i'm offending my sensibilities okay but okay (laughs) come on (laughs) i know yes yeah especially in the conventional sense in the conventional sense and especially considering milwaukee has a lot of depth but It's going, to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how this Brooklyn Nets team plays out in terms of just the basketball philosophy, which I just mentioned. And it sort of started to see what would happen in this game against Milwaukee. So what we saw is we saw a close game, a really close game. It was a two-point game. And who carried them down the stretch? It was James Harden and it was Kevin Durant. No other bench player mattered aside from, or rotation player, I should say, mattered aside from like Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan we'll talk about. But just in terms of actual like scoring down the stretch, it was just James Harden and Kevin Durant. And it seemed like for this game, 
that formula worked. Their gamble was successful. Again, for this game only. But it seemed like it was a worthwhile gamble. It did. Um, It really did. I think what stood out to me, honestly, regarding those two players, first half, I think the Bucs did a good job on both. KD's always going to hit shots. KD ends 10 for 21. KD is unguardable. (laughs) Yeah, 30 points, 10 for 21. I'll go into it a little bit soon, but... I think the Bucks did a phenomenal job guarding him, and that's why it was such a close game, um, despite a really pronounced shooting discrepancy. Like, if you told me KD and Harden combined for 64 points on 46 shots, and I think they attempted 15 free throws, and the Nets outshot Milwaukee from deep, Nets shoot 48.4%, the Bucks shoot 29.7%, I probably would have guessed this is a blowout, like a really unfun game. And instead, it literally comes down to the final shot, which we'll also get to later. So I thought in the first half, the Bucks did really a really good job defending both guys. In the second half, I thought Harden got loose a little bit, especially, I mean, he was really just taking advantage of those shots that the Bucks are just going to give up, right? Like those runners in the, the lane and everything. He made it felt like a ton of those. He was only three for 10 from three. Bucks did not let him get going from deep. They didn't follow. They didn't follow him a ton. We we've seen the Bucks play Harden with a lot of success before. They only let him get to the line six times. That's also super important. Forty-one minutes of James Harden, him taking six free throws total, is a big win for the Bucks. Thirty-four points is a lot, but I mean, we've seen James Harden have sixty-point triple doubles. Like he didn't really get to his absolute peak dominant scoring. So I think the Bucks did okay on him. Really good on Kevin Durant, and I think we saw a formula we are going to see every time these teams played. Physicality is the first thing. Everybody who guarded KD, they didn't just, like, stand near him. They didn't go for height in their guarding to, like, contest his shots, probably smartly because it's just about impossible. We'll talk about Giannis and that assignment later, but um, he didn't draw it really at all in this game. But I do think the justification for that is in addition to the physicality getting into his body disrupting him making him uncomfortable there was a help defender coming at him on all of his like pull-ups and drives and everything so he's trying to get around chris middleton is his nominal defender we also saw pat Connaughton get some shots at it but like bobby portis is rising up brooke lopez is rising up and of course Giannis is rising up if you hold katie to under 50 percent from the field and he ends up with 30 points it's not the worst thing that can happen with KD. Like, he's KD. There's only so much you can do. He does get nine free throws in this game. He led Brooklyn with that stat. But honestly, overall, I thought the KD game plan was solid, even if they left Pat on him. Probably, certainly a little bit too much. A one second of Pat Connaughton on Kevin Durant is too much time. He didn't do terrible, in fairness to okay. Pat. Okay, still. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't disagree. It's interesting, though, we saw... In previous years against uh, the Warriors, or yeah, Warriors era KD, we saw Chris Middleton on Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. We saw a lot of Drew Holiday and Dante on KD this game. Yeah, I think. Which really intrigued me. One, I was wondering because is it just a personnel thing? Like you have Drew Holiday, who's one of the best defenders in the league. Maybe, maybe put him on hard, or excuse me, KD for a little bit. But also like Dante, so that's got to make me think it's a schematic thing. I'd, I want to see what you have to say about that. I think there's a little bit of value in just throwing a bunch of different bodies at him, both in terms of not getting anybody in crazy foul trouble, and it's just like different looks. Like 
almost all those players defend in slightly different ways. They're different body types. So I feel like that's kind of a thing to maybe just switch it up and, and keep KD guessing a little bit on who's going to guard him and how. The thing with Drew specifically that I, I like that as a, a matchup option for the Bucks. I think they should go to it a little bit, at least in every game. One of the guys who I saw defend KD the best ever, and this was years ago now, but, I mean, KD's kind of always played like KD. He's just gotten refined. Just been incredible. <laughs> yeah. Tony Allen. Tony Allen. If you go and watch clips, if you type into YouTube.com, Tony Allen, Kevin Durant defense playoffs. There was a Grizzlies-Thunder series. Tony Allen gave KD hell, man. Like, he made his life hard. And, of course, I, I don't know exactly what he averaged that series. I'm sure he still scored 20-plus points per game. Again, it's Kevin freaking Durant. And he was younger and not as good then. But even though he was shorter, like, Tony Allen got into the ball before he could even get it pulled up. He was physical. He stayed in his chest. Like, those are the things I think you kind of have to do to guard Kevin Durant. And the Bucks at times really seemed like they were onto the game plan I liked a lot of what they did schematically in this game. I thought it was a pretty good game plan from Coach Bud, which is not something I'm used to saying. He blew his buck stock market up stock by leaving the bench guys in there too long at the start of the fourth quarter, which I think ultimately would cost them the game. But overall, like a lot of the things Milwaukee did, I found pretty positive. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on the Drew thing. I think it was Eric Name who had a, a tidbit of an article on Drew Holiday's defense uh, when he was acquired by Milwaukee and talking about like Kevin Durant talking about Drew Holiday guarding Ooh. him. And it was like uh, to the effect of Drew gives me no space to even dribble. Like yeah. he gets so up in him. And you saw that on the one charge he took. Like KD <sighs> can move his elbows without having Drew in the face. Like you just he gives him no space and he gives him no room to dribble because he knows if he dribbles next to Drew Holiday that close, like Drew's taking that basketball. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, that's just so nice to say about a Milwaukee buck. Uh, it is. And I would like to see Chris more aggressive going for the ball too because we've seen Chris pile up some deflections in some of these games. And I realized we saw he him get an quite... early steal and dunk. He did get a steal and dunk. He actually, I shouldn't say he had four steals. What am I asking for? Yeah. My expectations have gotten too unrealistic with Chris at this point. <laughs> Ten steals or nothing, Chris. <laughs> Quadruple double or get out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, another thing with Drew is we saw him just, you know, moving around players. Yeah. Uh, during the course of the game, we would take turns on KD. He would go on Harden for a bit. He would sort of freelance a bit. I don't know. Just back to what you were saying about a good game plan. I thought this was a good game plan. I thought it really was a good game plan. I did too, and here's another reason why that I want to get into. It felt to me, and I would like you to confirm this, I believe this is the case, they were pretty much switching one through four, like, immediately yep. in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was really no reason. I think I think they could have ironed out some of the one through five stuff, but honestly, I didn't feel like it was ever egregiously bad, just because, like, DeAndre Jordan is a pretty, pretty much the ideal candidate to run drop against, like, he's... Pretty much just going to be posted somewhere around the dunker spot. So you can really afford as your center, Brooke Lopez, mostly, to drop. But one through four, the Bucks were switching. They blew it sometimes, sure. And especially uh, the Harden-Joe Harris actions, which, like, in fairness, that's one of those plays that just breaks defenses. It's like Joe Harris is what such you, a good— What do you do? <laughs> it's... Yeah, Joe Harris is such a good shooter. You can't leave him open. You can't give Harden room to drive. You can't really give Harden room to shoot. It's they The Nets have some really intriguing stuff, and they had to go to some of it against the Bucks, and that's a good sign too. But like we saw the switching, and there's still things to be ironed out. They would lose some shooters on, on broken-down plays. 
I think that's just an experience thing. But, you know, we went from saying we hope they start switching at some point to hopefully they start switching earlier to now we're seeing, like, they're doing it right away. Like, this game, it felt like the whole team, including Coach Bud, took more seriously. And I think that's how you get, you know, the incredible shooting discrepancy, um, Harden really coming out in the second half, KD still being KD, and it was Milwaukee's game to lose. The last shot, I mean, we'll talk about Chris later, but the the game ended if you somehow missed it. It was a great game. Chris Middleton, three, that was in. It was like, oh, I thought it was in. I, he pulled it up, and he shot it, and I was like, no way. And it starts to go in the rim, and I was like, are you freaking serious, Chris? And it just rimmed out, and that was game. But it's halfway down. Uh, the oh. thing is, I was in a I was in a call with some of my friends when I was watching the game, and I I I even said before, uh, the shot even happened before they even inbounded ball. I was like, Chris Middleton's gonna uh, rim out on this shot attempt, and I'm gonna be upset. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Oh, but it, it was upsetting. It was. Um, what other schematic kind of stuff did you notice here? I think there's some stuff on, definitely on offense we haven't touched on and probably some other defensive things, although I think we've been fairly thorough with that. On defense, I do want to say when they tried doing some one through five actions, they just got lobbed against. Like they would throw yeah. lobs to DeAndre Jordan. Like they're still trying to figure this out, which is yeah. good. This is the time to do that. This is what we wanted the whole time. And I'll keep beating that drum. This is the ideal regular season start for Milwaukee uh, in terms of actual like playoff success because they're figuring this stuff out now during the regular season when the games don't really matter like they're still what they have the second or first best record in the east and they're just figuring things out like it doesn't matter if they had beaten either won this game which again a two-point game that literally came down to their last shot or if they had won the the tatum prayer celtics game they'd be first in the east like they've been that good despite the fact that they've had all these bumps in the road and all these learning experiences and stuff. Like it's pretty impressive. Um, it's this is not, if I saw this record before the season, I would have guessed that we were getting like same old bucks with some growing pains from introducing the guys. Instead, we're getting a whole new team plus some growing pains from introducing new guys. I want to talk offense. So I was texting with a buddy of mine who is a non NBA coach, like a coach of a, a different team, different league. And he was so excited about this one particular stat on the low post. And I am too. So DeAndre Jordan was dropping super far off of Giannis. And Giannis took some threes. Giannis made two of his four threes. Or, sorry, two of his six threes. Always a couple too many. He always never stops in time. He always, he, he sorry, just a little interjection. No, ahead, he always ahead. just, he gets a little trigger happy sometimes. If, especially if one goes in. If yeah, one goes in, I think he's he, guaranteed was, yeah, to take three more. There was like more. a stat on the broadcast, the TNT broadcast. Uh, TNT. And yeah, yeah. Um, it was like Giannis has made like multiple threes in his last like X amount of games. I should pull it up as you're talking. But continue about the stat. So um, that was so DeAndre Jordan kept doing that. And, you know, we're talking in the Eurogroup Discord, which if you're not a member, tweet Rohan or myself a screenshot of you listening to this pod or giving it a five-star review on good old Apple Podcasts, um, and we'll get you in the Eurogroup Discord. So Last tweet five at us. games, he's made more than one three. That's a good stat. Interesting stat. Um, I'm sure he's still not making a, a hell of a percent, but his, his jumper has at times looked better than his free throw shot. We'll get to that maybe sometime. We'll see. Um, but anyway, so DeAndre is playing drop against Giannis, and of course Giannis takes some threes to mitigate it, but we were saying in the Discord and on Twitter as well, like 
Giannis needs to start screening, like screen. Like if you screen for Bryn Forbes or Chris Middleton and DeAndre Jordan is playing drop, basically you're just walking your deadly shooters in a wide open shots. Lo and behold, that's what the Bucks did. So this is the stat the coach friend of mine was excited about. Giannis set a career high in screen set in this game, according to Zach Lowe on the low post. I haven't listened, so if these are like one off, I'm sorry, Zach. But apparently 36 screens set in this game. Previous high was like 21. So you're talking about not even close to this before. And it really did feel like it. The Bucks went to a lot of, especially Bryn Forbes triple handoffs, some Chris Giannis pick and roll. I would like to see a lot more of Giannis Chris dribble handoffs. I think that's really something they could unlock. And also the dribble handoffs they did were kind of stupid because they kept ending up with Bryn Forbes taking on the move long twos, which like if that you're gonna just take made the tough me upset. Shot, take the three, Bryn. And please, they were calling God. for that too late in the game. Like you could ah. see Giannis directing Bryn Forbes from ah. the weak side <laughs> corner to come over, and so he can set a screen so he could dribble into a long two. And I just wanted to throw something at my TV. The worst part was like utilize the space of the drop by going even farther away. <laughs> that means Bryn gets even more space on the shot. Like you're not that far from DeAndre like, where they were out, setting man. it. But <laughs> but still, it was still exciting. To yes. myself and and a, a lot of yes. people because it we it's still it's progress in the right direction like like we keep saying with the defense and everything they're not going to get it right right away that's just not how this works but the fact that we're seeing Giannis shatter like by a full third his previous career high in screen set in this game like we're moving toward the things we've been dying to see it took way too long but we are getting there yeah we really are we're seeing a lot more like Giannis as a secondary uh, playmaker type actions, which is great. That's good. That's probably his idealized role. Yes. Instead of just attacking from the top of the key constantly. God, if I, I, I wish I never have to see that again. It's just brutal when there's not the, like one thing I do like about just relating to attacking from the top of the key. I hate it when it's like, he's going right into the, into Deandre Jordan. One other sneaky thing they've started to do more is engineer switches and then let him attack from the top of the key. Oh, yeah, that sure. I can get behind. Yeah. You can do that a few times a game. If like, it's if you on can a get... mismatch, of course. But if like, you're just going on a primary defensive matchup, just Giannis bringing the ball up the court, the defense gets set, and then you just attack. Just, like, throw that away. Yeah, I've I've been talking about wasted possessions a lot. Like, Giannis dribbling directly to DeAndre Jordan is to me a wasted possession. Like it's going to work out sometimes, but not very often. But if you get him, you know, if you have like a six foot five guy who's kind of like shading him, like, yeah, take that guy to the rack and draw the help and, you know, either play make or dunk all over the guy. It just takes a little bit of work at the beginning of the possession, but that's the kind of thing we've been seeing more of this year, which, which is exciting. Yeah. Do you want to hear another crazy Giannis stat? I do. So Giannis played 39 minutes and 48 seconds in this game. Yep. Do you know what stat I'm talking about? I don't know the stat. I mean, I I, I know that. I don't know what the rest of the so stat is. So do you want to know the last time you played more than that? Uh, regular season, playoffs, or Just both? in general. In general, anytime? Yep. Game six against Toronto? Yep. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that was a blind guess. Go me. 40 minutes, 32 seconds. That's the last time Giannis played that many minutes. You know what? He didn't look as tired as you would expect. He really didn't. I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, there was a lot of hype about the last play about him not being involved enough, which I get. They should have probably had him do something, maybe even inbound. I mean, um, he was but, open. <laughs> well, of course, of course, of course, he was Rohan. Um, that's that's how that's gonna work. Um, but 
Yeah, I thought he looked better. I thought, in general, a really controlled game, for me honest. I mean, six threes aside. You know, this was something... So, Bud challenged a call... Is that third quarter? An offensive foul against... Or, it ended up being an offensive foul against Harden, or no call, or out of bounds, or whatever? I can't remember exactly, but it was definitely in the second half. <laughs> yeah, I think it was third quarter. Harden draws a BS foul and Bud challenges it. And I immediately went to look at one number because I knew this one number would have to be low. Giannis only had one personal foul at that point. So people get mad at Bud for not using his challenge earlier. You only get one. You don't get a second one if you get it right. He always saves it to try and get Giannis an extra X amount of minutes if he's going to foul out in a game, which obviously... It comes close to happening fairly often. I knew right away that that must have meant Giannis had fewer fouls. And it's true. He had one personal foul. He also only had one turnover and seven assists. This was like a really good game of maybe you don't call it takeover Giannis, although he does tie Harden to lead the game in scoring. But it was more of like complimenting his teammates more of the time, Giannis, on both ends. Defensively, I think this was one of the better games. He lost Jeff Green once or twice. You're going to lose guys. I mean, I'd still like him to be a little bit sharper about that, but he does also play in between his man and the rim fairly often, so it is difficult. But I thought he was a controlled version of himself, and I thought it really made the Bucks better. Yeah, also 6 of 8 from the free throw line. I didn't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I just I don't want to I don't want to be held oh, responsible. Come on. It's good. It's good. Right? It is good. That's very good. Yeah, change, like he, he changed up his motion for the umpteenth time, and maybe this one is actually going to stick because it seems like it's. I haven't looked at the numbers, so this might be completely wrong. But I actually, I'm not going to say it without. Looking. It seems to be more, just be more fluid. That's my one takeaway. Yeah, just you know, be consistent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, six of eight. Oh yeah, last game one of ten. Just throw everything I just said out the window. Yeah. Uh, oh, I th- I thought you meant as of this game. No, yeah, the Dallas game was a hellscape. So it is nice to see him bounce back right away I mean, pre- from that. Before awful. that, six of ten, four of seven, five of seven, eight of fourteen, seven of nine. Like it's just he has some bad games, but then like he bounces back. I think that number is going to still be more important than the three point number. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like it's not it's not even a question at this point. <laughs> yeah. Cuz he's just leaving points. He is. Yeah. Except you know again, this was I mean, I guess they, if he was perfect they tie the game, but I mean Chris and Brooke both missed both missed one too that would have done the same. So, I mean, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. What else what else from this game specifically um stands out to you? From this game specifically, um Nothanassus yeah. Oh, another. that's another Bud schematic thing I wanted to touch on. We saw a playoff rotation in this game. Yep. We saw they go four deep. They have DJ Augustine, Pat Content, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes. Those are the only guys that play minutes. Those are only. Those are the only guys who should play minutes, maybe? Maybe less? I think so. I, I don't know if they can play much less. I mean, in a normal regular season game, you're going to get five to six bench guys. They're all going to play more than this. I'm fine with that. But this, in terms of like – a playoff. I thought it was super interesting. We only saw 14 minutes of Bobby Portis. I know not technically seen as a great defender, although, man. Man, when is he, he defending. When he stifled that two-on-one fast break. Oh, my God. I was, was so I was so hyped. I'm full. After that, I was like, I'm fully on the Bobby Portis hype train. Fully on. 
Bobby blocks, Bobby buckets. We got the whole experience. He only shoots four times, which I guess in 14 minutes would be a lot for most players. It's not that much for Bobby Portis. Oh, that's, uh, seven that's boards. very controlled from Bobby Portis. <laughs> that is. Seven boards, two offensive, one steal, one block, no turnovers, two fouls, plus 10 in 14 minutes. Maybe he could have used a little bit more Bobby plus Portis. Plus 10 in a two-point game. That's wild. Some Actually, the whole bench, except for Bryn Forbes, had a really good plus-minus, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, um, to not to finish your original point, no Tenasis, which I think is very intentional and uh, illuminating. Like Only played four worried, minutes against Dallas as well. Yeah, for anyone worried that you're going to see 10 minutes of Tenasis in a close playoff game, I mean, I listen, we've seen... Oh, we probably haven't seen crazier than that. We've seen some crazy things rotation-wise. We oh, who got the who got the one second in the playoffs against the Magic? Who, oh, man. Who was that guy? I already forgot. Was it, who was it Frank Mason? It was Frank Mason. Yeah, yes, it was Frank sorry, Mason. Frank. Frank Mason played one second. Um, but, no, yeah, we. I, I don't think – I think that says a lot. I think Pat Connaughton got the nod as the backup four, and listen – you play okay defense. You take five shots. They're all threes. They're all pretty good threes. You make three of them. You had six rebounds, also two offensive, and two assists, one turnover, one foul. Really good Pat Connaughton game again. Like, Pat Connaughton has looked awesome this year. He somehow improved on his three-point percentage that was already, like, 50-some percent with this game. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, Pat Connaughton as a backup four is not really what I thought would happen going into the season, but... I'm okay with it. If it was anyone but KD, like that's the issue against this Nets team is he's probably going to have to be more of a three. But I think if you put him on like your Jeff Greens of the world, maybe even Joe Harris, if you just like can somehow prevent him from jumping on defense ever. No, not a chance. You can't put him on Joe Harris. Yeah, you can't put him on Joe Harris. But Jeff Green. Yeah, he can jump at Jeff Green all he wants. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Green's having a good shooting year, but it's just not not the same. That's not sustainable. No, and Hopefully. also Bruce Brown, who is a shooting guard, who basically he played like a power forward in this game. Bruce, Bruce Brown, Brown some... was insane. He was like stealing rebounds from Dante and like putting it up Zion style. Like he made winning plays in this game. Somehow he, really he was a did. minus two, but he made winning plays. He really was. He really made winning plays. He was a he was a difference maker out there. Thanks and for I, giving him away for nothing. Yeah, that's Detroit. what I was gonna say. You had a you had a tweet about the Pistons giving him away. Damn it, Les. Um, but unfortunately, with good Pat. We got really bad DJ Augustine. Yeah. <laughs> I will so, say he, he pulled it together, and I think it was the fourth quarter where he he set up Giannis with some pick and rolls. Some of Giannis's screens came on DJ Augustine pick and rolls. He did get to the free throw line and made both of his attempts, but 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 2 from deep. That's not really something we should expect. That's an outlier. That is 100% an outlier. Like, DJ Augustine is not going to just continue to miss every single shot he takes. That's not going to happen. We have to have another is-he-washed conversation. Last week we did Brooke Lopez. I still feel good about that. Brooke had 15 points in this game. Little, little slow on getting to DeAndre Jordan on some of those uh, dunks, but I think that's something that needs to be adjusted for. I just don't think the Bucks were very prepared for him vacuuming up all those misses when th- they doubled a guy driving. But... Um, but now we have to have it with DJ Augustine. It's been one game. I agree. I, he's not been great, I think, on the year, but he's had much better games than this, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm not ready to say he's fully washed yet. We'll, we'll have to check back in a couple weeks. 
the issue is his twos right now. Yeah. 36% from three is not great, but it's not awful. 26% from two. Yeah. It's pretty awful. Yeah. The thing is, he's not going to really take that many twos, though. He's, yeah, he's averaging two attempts per game. He's mainly going to use uh, his three-point shot, and if he gets inside, he's going to be looking to dish it or yeah. draw free throws because he's so tiny. Exactly. So he has – so just to put it in perspective for folks who think he's never played well, he has – Three games scoring in double figures. He has five games with four or more assists. And again, he's only playing like between 13 and 20 minutes per night on average. And he also has five games with multiple made threes. So it's like those all those games I mentioned, his impact is just fine. That's all you really need. He needed to be better in this game. Like he needs to be better in games against opponents like this. But I don't think the way he played was all that bad. I just think the shots didn't fall, which obviously you need them to. But I, I would rather see 0 for 7 than 0 for 1 and have him just, like, start passing up every single shot. Like, that to me is actually worse. But I'm a big process over results kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're not an ends justify the means sort of guy? I, I might be both. How is that even possible? I don't know. Let's move on. This is not a philosophy <laughs> podcast, Rohan. <laughs> Thankfully, for my sake. We've been talking sake. basketball philosophy. Why not just transition? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> that's a that's a Eurostep after dark type podcast. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm glad we agree on DJ Augustine. Yeah, we'll we'll have to check back. We'll have to check back in a couple. Weeks. I feel good because I held my Pat Connaughton in stock and I'm generating a lot of returns. I'm buying DJ Augustine right now. Oh, I thought honestly. you were going to say you're going to buy some real estate with that. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. That would have been very fitting. Uh, don't don't come at me, Pat, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get his law degree and hit us with some cease and desist or something. I don't think that's even possible. Probably this, not. This I mean, regard. he has more money, so I feel like ah, that's true. Anything's odds possible. are in his favor. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Pat's going to kick me out of my apartment that's not owned by <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to buy it and evict you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's actually a possibility. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm sorry, Phil. Let's, let's move on here. Let's move on. Um, do you have anything else from this game? Uh, I think I might be all Bucks Nets out. I think so too. Um, I agree with you though. Very enjoyable game. I, I thought it was great. It doesn't kill me that they lost, although I obviously wanted them to it was, win. It was good basketball back and forth, like trading haymakers at the end. Like that was great. 
Yeah, it absolutely was. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I think we'll hopefully get a similar quality game on Thursday. I believe, yes. I think Thursday against the Los Angeles Lakers. And we're not going to go deep on previewing that because I mean, this isn't like a daily pod. I guess just, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure, more about it after. But I do think that is kind of carries us into something that you brought up that I think is a really fun conversation. And that's, are the Nets the Bucks' greatest threat? And of course, by threat, like to beat them in a playoff series and just dethrone them. Not to, they're not on the throne, but to stop them from getting to the throne, I suppose. So obviously, the Lakers factor in this conversation somewhere, too. But uh, kick it off, because you brought it up. Are the Brooklyn Nets the greatest threat to the Milwaukee Bucks in their hopes of winning a championship? Yes. Okay. Because they, they, ha- they have to... They're definitely the greatest threat in the conference, I believe. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, mean, I okay. I think that they, the Brooklyn Nets, pose more matchup problems for Milwaukee than the Lakers do. Okay. See, the thing with the Lakers is that they just overwhelm you with size, right? I'm. Oh god, I can already. My mentions are going to be on fire for this. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the Lakers they overwhelm you with size. That's how they won their title, right? And they just. They doubled down on that. They have Marcus Gasol as one of the intricate pieces of their offense now, which is just wild. They got they signed Trez, who's not really in terms of like physical size, but he plays big. And of course, you have AD and LeBron. And when you have uh, those two out there with crunch time with no center, it's just it's just we're going to overwhelm you with size and athleticism, right? Yeah, that's not going to work really against Milwaukee as it does with other teams because the Bucks are big. The Bucks are big. They're smaller than they were last year. I'll give them that. But they're still a big team. Like you've still got Brook and Giannis as your starting front court, which is just massive. That can counter any AD Giannis thing that you want. Chris Middleton, he's a big three. He's a big, big three. That's Drew just, is a huge point guard. Yeah, Drew's a huge point guard. Dante Dante's there. Dante Dante exists. Uh, <laughs> not big, yeah. but fast. Yeah, I mean, but like the Lakers are starting Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, and uh yeah, exactly. So, so that's that's, that's, that's sort of there. Right? That's the counterpoint to that. Yeah. That the so the size thing doesn't really work against the Bucks like it does against other teams. The Nets just when they have KD, Kyrie, and Harden, that's just that's just a hell of a trio. That is a hell of a trio in terms of late game scoring. And I don't I don't know. I think it was just like Harden and Durant just closing out this game against Milwaukee that's making me think this. It's like, am I overthinking a one game sample size? But the Lakers aren't giving you that. The Nets are. I still think it's probably the Lakers. I'll agree with you easily in conference. It's the Nets. If for no other reason than most of the other teams we expected to be good, 
are kind of falling apart. Like Miami's under 500. Toronto was really off to a terrible start. <laughs> they're rebounding a little bit. I think they're around Miami uh, in in the record now. Uh, um, Toronto. Boston looks good, but I just and they beat the Bucks, of course. But I still just think like in a playoff series, if you really zero in on Tatum and Brown, I don't trust the rest of their team. Like the rest of their team. Like, the rest of the Bucks outside of Chris and Giannis, I think, are much better than the rest of the Celtics outside of those two guys. And you can never fully neutralize those guys, but like, I think I think Tatum ran into some problems in the playoff setting a little bit. Like, I think he, he doesn't have that much of a diversified game in all the different ways he can score. I know he's working on it this year. Um, Jalen Brown's been really good. Um, Jalen Brown's been incredible. Um, I'm a little hesitant to think he's just here now. Like... Maybe he is. He like, certainly could be, but I'm may, always like this. Show us the consistency. I'm all yeah. I'm all exactly. It's like Mitchell and Murray, who both look eminently mortal after their bubble ball performances. Like you just and the bubble was a different story altogether. But like I just need to see it for more than whatever it's been like 15 games or whatever. I think it's been about 15 games. Um, Which is yeah, wild. Even if even if it's real though, I still think the drop off after those guys. It's like Marcus Smart, who will win you one game in a series and lose you four games in a series. Kemba Walker, who I just I don't buy as a consistent guy who's going to win you a ton yeah. of playoff. I games. I mean, he's just coming back, and I think he got like maybe tweaked something again in his first game back. Yeah, the injuries make it even more pronounced. But just like his size, like Drew Holiday is just like Drew Holiday is my just dude. Swallow him. Yeah. So. <laughs> The Hell Cage, as or the Hell Prison, Hell Prison. Yeah, I think Hell is Prison, as last put it. calls it. That was just that. amazing. That yeah. comparison, Hell Prisons for Drew Holiday defense. That's just <laughs> incredible. Shout out Laz. Shout out Laz. But uh, but anyway, all that to say, uh, even the Celtics, I don't, I don't. They've been good, but I don't buy them. The Sixers, like, they really should have gotten Harden. They really, honestly, oh, if the Sixers got Harden, they would probably be the best team in the league. The thing about Ben Simmons is like he is quite good. Yeah. But I think I think vacuum. he's been I think he's been elevated by consensus to just being on a level higher than he is. Like I think he plays with a superstar in Joel Embiid. I don't think he is a superstar. I think he is a star. And I think that is the case because he's scoring like twelve points per game this year. Yeah, because no he superstar just, is scoring twelve points a game. Yes, he that just doesn't want to shoot. He just doesn't want to shoot. Like, it's like the Draymond Green level of, like, again, a very good player, a star, but Draymond Green himself does not make you a contender. Like, Draymond's team without Steph would not, would just would not score points. And I think, like, we're, like some of the clips are overblowing it a little bit when he just, like, the one drive, he just kind of stopped and didn't do anything. But it is a real thing. Like, he just is allergic to scoring. And I just think. Even, like, people say, like, if he had his own team, he'd be that good. It, he'd be better, but I, I still think there's levels to this, and I don't think he would suddenly become, like, a 25-point-per-game guy. Um, but I, the combo of him and Embiid is just so bad fit-wise. I don't see them as in that same tier either. So, all this to say, in the East, I for sure agree, it's the Nets. I still give the Lakers the edge. A few reasons. Defending champs, I always like to give a little boost for that. Respect, yep. LeBron. Yeah. And he's, again, he's taking it a little easier again this year. I still think 
Like, there's diminishing returns in every playoffs. I mean, people gloss over it now. There were moments in the bubble and even in the earlier parts of the playoffs where he was a little off and on, and AD really had to shoulder a lot of the load, um, which, I mean, it's fine. They, they still won the title, but there, there's going to be every single year, I think, we're going to see, like, he's still going to be able to, you know, kind of store up the tank and then use it all and, and be really tremendously great for some stretches. I just think they're going to be more few and far between, but I still think he is LeBron. He's still going to figure out the how anti Drew Brees. Sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> I had to throw it in there. Yeah, you got me. Um, and AD, who is still, I think, hitting a good amount of jumpers. I don't think he'll ever hit those bubble ball numbers again, but he's unlocked the jumper, which just makes him damn near unguardable too. Um, I like the fact that their defense is very real. Like they're just a great defensive team. I think that is probably going to be the Nets' downfall: is their defense, their very thin bench. The Lakers don't have those issues. They have a lot of viable players. They have a great defense um, with a DPOI contender in Anthony Davis. There, a former DPOI winner in Mark Gasol, a guy who he stole the DPOI from, and LeBron also <laughs> on the team. Um, <laughs> LeBron still remembers it. You can ask him. But I think that's their lack of defense concerns me. And I think here's really why I think it's the Lakers. You could probably not think that hard about it and see a scenario in which the Nets kind of just like implode and lose a game or series, right? Like, I mean, Bucks fans saw how Kyrie really just trashed the Celtics' chances of winning against the Bucks in that series by like not letting the guys who were actually making shots shoot and taking a bunch of shots and not getting back on defense. Oh no, and, he was getting back on defense. He wanted to guard Giannis and Chris. Oh, that's true. He was also trying to pick up Giannis intentionally for some reason. Um, and James Harden certainly has had his fair share of playoff moments. I know Zach Lowe has gone deep on this in previous pods of like. He barely shoots in clutch time in a lot of games, and the percentages aren't very good, although he looked good against the Bucks, Wasn't a playoff game. KD is an all-time great, but we've seen like smaller players shoot his team out of games before when he was on the court, especially in OKC. Like I could see the Nets kind of just blowing it. I don't think the Lakers are going to do that. I, I think the Lakers are so poised. They're defending champions. They have LeBron. Like I think you need to beat the Lakers. I think... You can catch the Nets on the right day, and they'll do you a lot of favors. I don't see the Lakers doing that. So I think the Lakers, you just, I, I just think it's going to be tougher to beat them at the end of the day than the Nets. But KD being KD alone makes it a really tough conversation. Those are all fair points. Those are completely fair and logical points. I just think the Bucks match up better against the Lakers. That's fair. Like, they can handle... Uh, okay, let's not say handle. Yeah. They are capable of handling the Lakers. The Nets just have too many unguardable players. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I mean, the counterpoint, of course, is like... How are they going to stop the Bucks? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be much easier for the Bucks to maybe, score. Maybe I'm just being a little timid in terms of Milwaukee upside. No, I, don't, I think it's... I think. Either of those teams could certainly beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. Um, I think the important thing that I keep pointing out very intentionally, I mean, no team is a final product at this point, but I think this Bucks team is really far from a final product with all the new things they're working in. And I think you could say, like, like oh, the Nets are, uh, you know, all these new players and Katie and Kyrie and haven't played. And, I mean, yeah, sure, but, like, there's not that much to figure out. I mean, there's, there's not, they don't have to do a lot. Steve Nash is not up racking his brain like, ah, how do I put 
Kevin Durant and James Harden in a good situation. Like, they're just in one. Like, if they're on the court, they're in a good situation for them. Um, and they have a bunch of shooters out there, DeAndre to finish lobs. Like, they're fine. They don't need a lot of work. The Bucks need to figure some more things out. So that, to tie it back, is why all these new things are so encouraging because, like, the Bucks need to unlock, I think, their potential more than those te- other two teams. And I think you're seeing steps in the right direction for them to put themselves in that best possible position. Yeah, yeah, that's completely fair. I think this Milwaukee team, like you said, is very far from a finished product as well. All of the adjustments they're making, it's all good. It's, it's. I really just, I hate the regular season now. <laughs> I've enjoyed this one. Okay, like, I I enjoy it in terms of pure basketball watching. Yes. But in terms of, like, bucks. Like, I just, I want, I, want to, I want to see the oh. finished product. I'm just impatient. I do too, but I, you got to enjoy the journey. We That's only fair. get so many Giannis That's seasons. Fair. We get more than we probably worried about. Because he signed the Supermax. So we can't forget that. He did sign the Supermax. Uh, just a quick I saw note. someone tweeting, sorry to interrupt, but, no, like, God. Imagine the takes if Giannis hadn't signed the Supermax after, and then this game. It'd be so bad. Yep. It would just um, be this bad every game, but, like, my goodness. Thank yeah. you, Giannis. Thank you, Giannis. Um, I just want to note, we should, I don't want to go deep because I really have not watched them or even read that much about them. The Clippers are in the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Paul George has been absolutely playing like an MVP this I season. I would say credit to him because obviously he took his lumps. Um, I know uh, he opened up a little bit about having some mental health struggles, which is really sad. And, of course, online bullying is terrible. That said, Paul George, like, really just, like, says a lot of things that make people want to dunk on him. And he he really leans into it sometimes. And he just keeps on saying things. So it's kind of a two-sided thing. But yeah, And also, like, show us in the postseason. Yeah, I mean that's that's gonna be big too. But it's like, yeah, like ever since the Dame thing when he was like, "That's a bad shot." Like, dude, no, just don't I think talk. it was ever since playoff P. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I guess that was before that. Um, and well, even before that, his Pacers commercial, the Gatorade <laughs> one, right? <laughs> the Last game. shot. I call Ball it game, game. Or whatever. <laughs> and he's oh for whatever on those shots. Oh my goodness, but he's, he's awesome. to his credit, he's hit those shots now. Yeah, he's, he's playing awesome this year. His shooting stats are crazy. They still have Kawhi. They have they have a good team too. Um, I still I give the Lakers an edge, but they're I think they're the other team for me that's really in that combo. Yeah, I still I I'm giving the Lakers the benefit of the doubt, saying they're going to come out of the West. Yeah, but uh, shouts to the Jazz and the Suns for being competitive too. But oh, we got some breaking news here on the pot. Do we? Yeah, Giannis is going to be the cover for NBA Live Mobile. Oh, neat. <laughs> Whoa. So they're making a mobile game, but they're not doing a... Are they doing a console game next year or just a mobile game? I have no idea, honestly. Honestly, the last one was good. So is he an EA guy now? I feel like you Wait, can Wait, that's both. confusing. Can you do both? Apparently. Because he's on the cover of 2K like two years ago. Well, I don't think it's like a, an endorsement deal. It says hashtag EA athlete. Okay, <laughs> you got me on that one. I guess it is an endorsement deal. I'm I, trying to think if anyone else has. Who's been on? Well, it doesn't. I think Dame's done both. Was he? Okay, I whatever. Thought, but it Google. was like sort of fake breaking news. Okay. I mean, it's neat, I guess. Um, I totally forgot what we were talking about. Uh, Clippers. They're good. Oh yeah, they're really good too. I, I think that's the top tier though: Bucks, Nets, Clippers, Lakers. In yes. my opinion. Yeah, I think that's the consensus. 
Yeah. So, we'll, I mean, we'll talk more about the Clippers when they play. It's This conversation is more fun this week because they're right sandwiched between Nets and Lakers. Mm. Dame was on the cover of NBA Live 15. Okay. And he's on the cover of 2K this year. Okay. Interesting. Also, James Harden was one of the cover players on 2K16, and he was on NBA Live 18. Okay. Maybe I'm just completely off then. Yeah, it happens. Was Kyrie ever on a 2K cover? Yeah, 2K20? He was on NBA Live 14, so apparently they can double dip. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. So, yeah, fun fact. Um, just get that bag, Giannis. Get, supplement your income, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, he's 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 securing it all right. He sure is. Um, Hopefully, he just doesn't turn into Shaq. <laughs> can can you pull up the Trill Withers tweet? Oh God! Do you know the tweet? Yeah, I know exactly what tweet you're talking about. I'll try to find it. In these, <laughs> it's so good. I don't know. I think we can read it on Pod as a quote. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it? It's basically. I, I want to say verbatim, it's, I think it's like Shaq would do a commercial for genocide if the check arrived on time. Yeah, if the check. Basically. <laughs> oh, the general biggest yeah, fan. Yeah, I think Shaq O'Neal. would do a commercial for genocide if the check was on time. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't follow Trill Withers at Tyler, I am on Twitter. You're, you're missing just out. Losing. <laughs> you're losing out. You're losing big time. One of the greatest tweeters, maybe the greatest tweeter of all time. Yeah. Um, Okay, so do we want to transition into Chris talk? Yeah, I don't think it's going to take a super long time. He's just been awesome. Yeah, he's, he's just been, been really, re- really good. He's been really good. He's been, he's been the Bucks' best player. He has, and I think, I think there's a degree of improvement we've seen from him that isn't setting in, it's like sinking in with people. Let me read you some Chris stats. Ooh, I like stats. This is all, all per game, except for the percentages, obviously, which are just yeah. overall. 22.1 points, 6.3 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 52.7% from the field, 43.9% from deep, 58% from two, 93.2% from free throw, and then here are some specific areas of the floor shooting numbers, 77.5% from 0 to 3 feet, so basically Ooh. at the rim, 60.9% from 3 to 10 feet, oh and 59.4% from 16 feet to the three-point line, so long twos. Oh, my goodness. Those are all ridiculous numbers. Do you want to know what they all have in common? Um, They're all beautiful. Every single one is a career high. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Every that's, that's a really good one. stat. That's a really Every good stat. Every single one of those numbers is a career high for Chris Middleton. Like, when I say he is leveled up, like, he's literally doing everything except for the defensive counting stats better than he's ever done it before. And some of them is stark. Like, that shooting from 0-3 feet, I don't know if that'll hold. That's a crazy number. But he's like, he got a little bit better last year after being roughly the same for a long time when he was more of a 3 and D guy. And now he's just like, he's finishing everything. Like, that's a really good mark. And the we 3 see to 10 him feet is really attacking good. more, too. Yes. Like, it's on a higher volume. I don't know if it's exactly how much the volume has increased because I don't have the numbers in front of me. But Let it feels like it it's at a higher volume. I think so, too. He just looks more confident with the ball. I mean, the assist is like... He looks more explosive. Like, like this, this guy's is, getting in more athletic shape as he ages. He really... He looks spry this year. I know I keep using that word. So, here's Chris' assist per 36 for his career. First three years, all two-point-something. Next three years, all four-point... Actually, almost all 4.0. Uh, last two years, so his two all-star years, 
with the Bucks, both right around five, five point oh, five point one. This year, Chris six point two assists per thirty six. Like another level as a playmaker. He has the ball so much more. Um, his percentage of shots within zero to three feet is eighteen percent. Last year, it was twelve percent. So definitely a pretty significant uptick in volume on those shots for Chris. It's yeah. also it's almost a career high. His rookie year when he barely played, he took about twenty percent of his shots there. But yeah, he's taken eighteen percent of them this year, and he's also just shooting more too. Yeah, it's just it's at we're at the point where if you are criticizing Chris Middleton for his play, like oh he's not good, enough, you're just admitting you just don't watch basketball. He has it's like, and I made this comp the other day, and I think it's really interesting to think about. He's been similar to Giannis in the fact that he's just pretty much gotten better at something every single year. And it's like, I think people don't realize how rare that is. Like, it's, it's, insane. It's, it's wild that Giannis, I mean, obviously for like obvious reasons, Giannis gets a lot of the pub, right? Of course. Two-time yeah. MVP, defensive player of the year. Like just insane uh, accolades and all-stars and points and highlights and stuff. So he's going to get the pub. Giannis and Chris, they've been at this for years, and they've been doing it together, and they've been doing the same things, getting better and better together every single year. If they win a title this season, mm. or just in general, together, yeah. in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform, that may be one of the, that's definitely the greatest accomplishment in Bucks history. It's one of the all-time great accomplishments. It is. Um, you can start to draw an interesting parallel with like the miraculous entry of a point guard who takes the team to another level with the last Bucks title. I, it might be a little out of Ooh, pocket. It might okay. be a little out of pocket, but there might be something there. Um, but I think the thing with Chris that you mentioned, like people aren't recognizing, I just, it's so unprecedented for a guy to just be like a fine three and D player for like three years. And then really even more than that, like even like year four, I mean, he has the ball in his hands more, but he's still mostly a, a, complimentary player although he did a lot of scoring that year that's really when he started to shift is that fourth year 15 16 but for the first three years of his career like a three and d guy who did not do much more and topped out at 13 points per game suddenly just becoming like a better and better at every aspect of scoring it's just weird like i just think it's so yeah, hard for people no, to a adjust their guy becoming an out imagine robert covington's mad like all of a sudden becoming a lead ball handler yeah that's it, the sort of transformation that happens it's it's incredibly rare. I mean, like, I think Paul George is a cop, but I feel like Paul George was better at that kind of stuff a lot faster. Than oh, he Chris. was. He came into the league like yeah, better. I mean, that. I think it took a, I think it took him a year. I think he had a bad year. Yeah, and of course, like the injury set him back a bit, but he sort of come yeah. back into into his own. But even in his first couple years, he was still like a lead ball handler. Yeah, Paul George, year one, pretty unremarkable. Year two gets up to 12 points, a few assists. Then year three, suddenly 17, 7, and 4. Like, he came on pretty quickly, an all-star in his third year in the league. It took Chris a lot longer to get yeah, to that all-star Yeah, and even that, level. he wasn't, like, drastically overhauling his skills. Or, like, no. drastically improving his skills. I mean, I it's sure. like, you think about a player like Pascal Siakam, and this is why it's so hard, I think, for people to account for development, especially going forward. I mean... We, and we knew it was crazy all along, but there were people saying, like, Pascal's going to get to damn near Giannis because look how far he's come in the last yeah, two Pascal's years. Yeah, Pascal's older than Giannis. I, I, listen, I said we knew all along. We're oh, it shots I, to I said we knew. Jeezy, uh, called him, uh, called Siakam Tyrone Hill with a headband. <laughs> <laughs> um, shooting 26% from deep this year. But 
the thing about like Pascal, I mean, is a, still a good player. Was a very good player. I think he'll probably get back there. But like, that's that's how it goes a lot of the time. Like you kind of you top out a bit, and like there's not you can't always just get better every year. Most players like. There's, there's only so much most players can do. Like, it, it, development is irregular. It can happen in spurts. You can slide backwards. I mean, there's guys who come in the league playing their best basketball. Uh, shouts to... How am I blanking out his name? He came in with the Kings. He played with the Pelicans. Oh, well. Oh, wait. Um, Tyreek Evans. Yes. Yep. I was going to say Tyreek Hill, and I was like, no, nah, I've been watching too much football. Tyreek Evans. Literally was like... And I guess Michael Carter-Williams is a good example of that, too. Um, but it's just not linear. But for Chris, it really has been. It just started later. It's just been – I mean, I, I I talk about this probably not that often, but, like – and I know I'm sure you can relate. It's been so rewarding to watch, especially him develop. I think Giannis, too. But Giannis, like, right away, I think, was more at least interesting to the league at, at large than Chris. Chris really – came up from a throw-in in a trade. And just because then he salaries was, worked. Just, yeah, literally just for, because the salaries worked. To becoming, you know, a starter on a really bad team, keeps his spot as the team gets better. Then he's like a, an undermanned second guy. And now he's just becoming, I mean, you mentioned it at the start of this part of the pod. He's been their best player so far this year. And Giannis hasn't he's the, been that he's bad. Cur- he's currently the best player on a contender. Yeah. I mean, even in this game, he misses all five of his threes, which the Bucks need to work on engineering him some better shots. KD really bothered him with his length. He still had 25, 4, 4, 4 steals. Like, that's a bad Chris game if now. If Chris which doesn't is truly make all wild. NBA this team, I might be out uh, on NBA awards. Like, I will literally stage some sort of a protest. Oh, I will, 100%. We're, I'm going to, it's, eh, hopefully it'll be time when we can go outside again uh Where, if it was is Secaucus? is Secaucus the place we would go new jersey i was just gonna go to the arena because that's less far for me uh, <laughs> it's not the bucks fault i know but it's like maybe that'll give some attention that's such a good point well we'll figure out where we'll protest yeah but if chris doesn't make all nba just that's just a it's it was terrible last year it's gonna it was, be worse it was this year. awful last year it's gonna be even worse this year and i'm yeah, maybe we do have to go to Secaucus. <laughs> we might have to. I mean, it's not their fault either because, like, the people vote. But we'll go to we every We have to go single, somewhere, Tommy. <laughs> we'll find all the non-voters. Okay, we'll go to Bristol. <laughs> okay, yeah, if that works. We can go to Bristol. ESPN HQ. Oh. <sighs> but anyway, just Chris, really good. I, that The the thing about the career highs really blew my mind. That's yeah, one, that's two, honestly incredible. How do you, He's improving on every single... And that's his stuff, too, like mid-rangers. And he's just getting absolutely better at that, too. It's wild. It's wild. I love you, Chris. It's just been so good. Like, just ridiculous. I mean, just, just casually at 50-40-90 right now, I feel like people aren't really noticing, but he's there in both the woke 50-40-90 and the OG definition. Yeah, the woke fifty forty ninety. That's I want to make two it a point thing. percentage. A, yep, it's that's what it should be. Honestly, there. yeah. I think he got pissed. He missed it last year, so now he's like, "Let me get comfortably in there." Yeah, let me just make a new category. There should be a sixty forty ninety. That'd be some work still, but sixty it, it, the fifty way he's ninety. Playing, I will say the one the one space he's not nailing his shots for once is ten to sixteen feet. It's actually a a low spot for him. I'm sure it's just variance, but if he pulls that up, he might go for the sixty forty ninety. Sixty forty ninety five. That should be a new category that people aim for. Uh, That'd be I would incredible. love to see it. That's Chris by twenty twenty three. Yeah, honestly, at this trajectory, probably. <laughs> Who who's to say no? He hasn't proven us wrong yet. 
just like I said, if Giannis wants to, if Giannis says he can become a perimeter player, who am I to doubt him after all he's done? Same thing goes for Chris. Yeah, he can do 60, 50, 95. Why not? And still, <laughs> just become the greatest basketball player it. of all time. <laughs> just, <laughs> just casually outscoring Jordan per minute. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Hey, we never say never. <laughs> Never say never. The unofficial motto Chris, of the Euro I saw just another quick thing. I saw, I can't remember for the life of me who put this out on Twitter, and I apologize. But it's like, based on the results this season, who's going to be a Hall of Famer? And someone said if the oh. Bucks win it all, Chris is probably in the Hall of Fame. I think easily. Yeah. Second best player on a title team. He should at least Multiple have three All-Stars All-Stars, by then. Yeah. Hopefully uh, All-NBA. Fifth place finish on team oh, usa no. or whatever oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's this this team might have two hall of famers on i'm hyping myself up okay too much probably three i think drew is gonna have a good case when all is said and done when probably once he four, gets that Lopez. finals mvp under his belt oh well that's that's chris's hardware is it uh could be I, three it could be any of the three i yeah i, I think so it wouldn't surprise I, I think it'll probably be honest if they do it but chris is if the odds are greatly displaced, like if Giannis is a heavy favorite and Chris isn't, might have to might have to withdraw some cash from the old bank and slap some down on the Chris Middleton table. Yeah, <laughs> my, oh, I hope we can get there, Ty. Uh, me too. Me uh, too. I'd love to lose money in the name of believing in Chris Middleton. Yes. Okay. Do we? Is it time to move on to the next segment? I believe it is. Okay. I'm, I'm all crisped out. Okay, so it is time for Choose Your Fighter. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay, so I feel like I have to do like a long lead-in now for these whenever it's my turn. It's tradition. So when you're, when you're out there like Chris and you're just, you know, you're, you're absolutely sweating everything because that's what Chris does. He just sweats. And you, you want to be like the anti-James Ennis. What do you do? You get some Gatorade. Do you like the anti-James Ennis? Because he crashed into the Gatorade. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, what the hell does that mean? I got gotcha. you. So, Gatorade, staple of the NBA, staple of every freaking sponsorship <laughs> of everything. Yeah. Um, it's just a staple across sports. And you're, you, you've played basketball, right, Ty? Not to steal a Bill Simmons bit, but you, we, we've played basketball. Yeah. So, you know, I played, I played Bruce City Paul. Oh yeah, in a, a random game, game of twenty one. <laughs> That's a fun story. Uh, so, you know, you gotta get some, you gotta get some Gatorade as a as a hooper. What color Gatorade do you go for? Do you go for red? Ooh. Do you go for orange? Do you go for blue? How do I get? Do I get to pick which shade of those three colors? Sure. Glacier Freeze. Ooh, okay. That's the light blue one, right? Yeah, I believe so. I would say Glacier Freeze if it's got to be one of those colors. Otherwise, I mess with the purple one. Okay, that's not one of the three options. I know that's not. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just giving context. Okay. The next one, I'd probably you said red, orange, or blue. Yeah, I like the orange. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of the red. Yeah, the red is like cherry, I believe. I don't even. It might just be red. Something it has some cherry notes. Let me say that. I'm a Gatorade connoisseur. It kind of <laughs> hits you over the head. I've it always does. felt that the orange is. I feel like it's a nice medium between taste and sort of like. I, what's the 
The orange is big, like, I read the article's refined vibe. Like, I didn't like the orange <laughs> when I was younger. And then when I, like, high school and older, probably really college, is when I kind of dabbled in the orange again. And I was like, you know what? The orange has some nice notes in yeah. it. Yeah, I used to be a big blue guy, whatever the main blue is. Let, let me see if I can pull up as we're talking what these things are. I used to I, I used to be a big that guy, but now I've just switched over to orange, so I think I'm going to have to go with orange. I, I do very much enjoy the orange. So the orange is called orange. Yep. The red is actually fruit punch. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you can get the notes of cherry, but I've actually I feel this about all fruit punch beverages as Not an good. aside. No, terrible. As a no. kid, they were good. I think it's just for kids. It just it like I'm, it just <laughs> it smacks you over the head. Basically, you're saying if you drink fruit punch, you're a child. I am. <laughs> stand by it. I stand by it. The blue is considered berry, but yeah. the light blue is glacier freeze. Mm. I don't know. Glacier freeze like, is elite. I feel like that might be playing into the uh, child thing. It's like I don't know. Berry was good when I was younger. Now I like orange. Yeah, I, I get that. For uh, for whatever reason, I feel like the berry gives me the most refreshment. That's what it feels the most refreshing. The berry, not the orange. Yeah, yeah. The orange tastes better, but I think the berry is the most refreshing. Yeah, it feels like if you're actually like out there uh, getting a sweat on, it just it feels better. How do you feel about lemon lime? Ooh. Ah, uh, I'm not a big lemon lime guy. Just in general. Lemon lime Gatorade. If I'm drinking that, like I'm gonna get the playing with your friends equivalent of a tech. Like I feel like the lemon lime awakens a different beast. Yeah. You know what's a weird flavor of Gatorade? The white one. No, lime cucumber. They yeah. I don't know why they keep trying. Like some of them I like. No, some that's like them... that's been a thing for a while. Is it really? You can you can't get it everywhere. Hmm. I, it's that one's not, not bad. good. Some of them are just too sweet. Some of them get really sweet, in my opinion. Yeah, they try too hard to market to kids sometimes. Yeah, totally. To- absolutely. Um, I like the and white it flavors. <laughs> it does work. Um, but it, the white ones for me are like, it's a switch up. It's not an everyday. Yeah. I'm craving Gatorade now. Yeah, it just it's it's the quenchiest. I haven't. <laughs> Shout out quenchiest. Saka. If you get that reference, you're awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm not. You're still awesome, Ty. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I do. I now that you now that we really sit down and talk about it, they don't have as many good. They have a lot of variety. They don't have that many good flavors. Yeah, they just. That's why I had to limit it because they only have like three good yeah. ones. Do you ever drink like the, the zeros? Nah, I do sometimes. Nah, sometimes I'll go for. This these. might be a hot take. Sometimes Powerade is better. They're not a hot take at all. Let's pull up the Powerade flavors. I think Hold it's like the minute. same thing. <laughs> Powerade's cheaper too. Powerade's almost always cheaper. Blue Powerade hits. Oh, it does. It definitely worst does. Worst one. Worst one. Pink. Oh God, yeah, no. Too sweet. It's, it's Way too. too sweet. It, it's like water. Strawberry lemon. Yeah, no. Pass on that. That it's really just the blue. The white one's good. The orange the is good one. for Powerade too. I, I don't. I don't actually. I'm gonna have to try it. I'm gonna have to head to the Quick Trip and try one. I don't know if I've tasted that. It's sort I always of the get same. The blue. <laughs> I'm a big blue. I'm sure it's all the same. I'm a big blue guy. Yeah, blue and blue and orange for Powerade for me, definitely. Blue they blue a, hits different though. Their dark purple is good. Oh, I've never had that. I'm not a big grape guy. I like I like the grape sports drinks. 
I don't know. I, I just say. don't like grape flavored things. Here's a take: Powerade's red is better than Gatorade's red. Ooh, okay. I, you know what? That's not a that's not a hot take. I agree with that. Yeah, I just I think they do it better. I think it's more refined. Here's a hot take: Powerade just in general is better. Ooh, you know what? I don't hate it. Powerade sponsor us. You guys need to gain some ground. <laughs> Hit up the Eurostep. Slide in our DMs, Powerade. Please, please <laughs> send us some Powerade to try. If the check cashes on time, <laughs> I will wear a Powerade headband 24-7. Oh, of course. A hundred percent. If that I would. check clears. Of course. I'm not even a headband guy. I'll wear a I'm headband. I'm not either. I look ridiculous. My head's too big for hats and headbands, but I'll do it. Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah. For multiple reasons. Uh, some <laughs> metaphorical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also true for me. What was uh, I about to say? Yeah. Powerade hit us up. Powerade definitely hit us up. I had another take on these, and now I don't even remember. Oh, well. Yeah, Powerade just needs more sponsorships. They, I thought they had a league. Didn't they have baseball or something for a while? Do they? They had a league at one I don't know if they still do. I feel like not, but I think they used to have a league. Because, of course, like they had to make a big deal. Like Did all the things say Powerade, not Gatorade, etc.? I have no idea, honestly. They I'm trying to look it up. They might have lost it. Who yeah. knows? But were you ever? I remember what I was gonna say. Did you ever have to be the unfortunate broke kid who like mixed their own sports drink? In terms of what? Like literally, like with the powders. Did you ever have the powders? I think I might have tried it once. Maybe. I did it in college a little bit, and like growing up, we just we, we weren't the wealthiest family, and so I would be there. It's just it's it's much cheaper than the bottles. It's the same thing. So I'm bringing my bootleg mixed orange Gatorade that the ratio was never right to soccer or basketball or even football. Miserable. Miserable. Mm. Listen, it's not the same. Maybe in big quantities, but if you try to mix up like a 2 quart bottle or whatever the hell it is, not the same. It's just it doesn't hit the same. Dang. I don't know. It's <laughs> you can you can never really get the yeah, like you said, you can't really get the ratios right. No, it's like how some Diet Coke is great and some is pretty mid. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll agree to that. I just I don't know. I'm trying. Oh, I think it's U.S. Soccer that Powerade has. I'm trying to look it up right now. I could see that. They're the official hydration partner of the Melbourne Storm. Okay, that's pretty. Uh, uh, they're pretty the major. official sports drink of the Australian Rugby League. Uh. Australian oh, and Ireland rugby union teams, PGA Tour, NASCAR, oh, okay. NHRA. What is that? National Hot Rod Association drag racing. Okay. NCAA. I forgot about that. They oh, that co- might be what I'm thinking of. That and the U.S. Olympic team, excluding USA basketball and U.S. soccer. Nice. I love that. Because <laughs> they have Gatorade. <laughs> So it's actually it's Powerade's not really the plucky startup we thought it was. No, it's a Coke product. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> Did you think they were a plucky start? I don't know. I just I wasn't thinking of them as a Coke product. <laughs> they're just they're just not as big as Gator. That doesn't was, mean they're I not a multi-billion-dollar corporation. I was legit thinking of it like it was and one or something. Oh like, my god! Just trying Die. their best. Oh my god! Oh. Man. Well, it's Coke versus Pepsi, man. <laughs> For everything. Five thousand. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I think we've we've definitely yeah. gone long enough on this one. We're talking yep. Coke versus Pepsi. Uh this is this has been a fun episode. This is a good episode here for the Eurostep, don't you agree? 
I do. You know, we have one negative review of the last like ever on Apple, and I think about it all the time and smile. It's clearly a Raptors fan. He has a Raptors fan name, display name, but he said they laughed the whole podcast, but nothing's funny. Oh, I've seen that one. <laughs> and I laugh harder thinking of it in the episode because I'm just like, how much sodium is it? Sodium chloride. Yep. That's salt, right? Yes. How much of that? is in flowing through your veins for you to come and put leave a negative review and comment that like we're having a good time every other listener's having a good time whatever it, i agree with you it was another great podcast so yeah i just want to let that person know that their comment makes me laugh even harder hey they still they still have they still count towards our listeners <laughs> uh, yeah listen i would rep i would rep that comment and let it sponsor me if the check cleared it did the check did clear it turns out yeah so thank you wild how that works thank you for it listening <laughs> thank you for listening random raptors who, fans who just who, who just screen record us that circulated on raptors <laughs> i can't imagine being that bothered i can't I, I hope they have fun with the chris boucher or not the chris boucher who's been balling uh chris, tyrone yeah, hill with the headband uh see oh, yeah. <laughs> they will they will. Um, but, like, when the Bucks lost to Toronto and when they lost to Miami and when they beat teams, like, I'm not going to, like, pull up receipts from pods or, like, huh. like I'm not going to hate listen to a pod. Or oh, like no. a te- like, not a chance. I, I, I enjoy my life. Yeah, I, I, like the to, team. I like to have fun, you know? Yeah, I like to like, smile. What? Like, I don't root for the Bucks, And I'm not, like, a overall Bucks fan. We cover the team, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I, I don't do this to, like – dunk on other people exclusively like i do feel like some people are involved with nba fandoms and rooting out of spite i don't get it that's not why i do this i like basketball i think yeah, more folks fun. should try that it's fun have fun enjoying life try that you know i would recommend it it's it it's good for you in the long run let me say that less it cortisol is. build up over time you're good oh science yeah Okay, so I guess I'll leave this episode by being a nerd, as always, uh, <laughs> and say thank you for the listens, uh, Raptors fans, and thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's great to see the support that we've been getting. It's, you know, it's it's fun interacting with people. It's just talking about the pod. It's just, it's, it's, it's always a good time. As Ty mentioned earlier, we do have a group discord if you want to get in on the discord just tweet me or tie a picture or a screenshot if you're listening to the pod and we'll send you a link to get in right away or as soon as we can and yeah it's it's a good time over there uh make sure you're checking out all of the content across the entire blue wire podcast network stay safe out there everyone wear your mask mask up we still need to get through this together so we can go outside again and protest in Secaucus. uh stay safe and we will talk to you next time Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.